Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 580 of the Juicebox podcast. Hey, guys, welcome back to another Diabetes Variables episode with me, I'm Scott, and Jenny Smith. Jenny, of course, works at Integrated Diabetes, and you can hire her if you'd like at IntegratedDiabetes.com. The Diabetes Variables series has been going over listener-submitted variables for type 1 diabetes. And today's topic is weight change. Maybe you put on a little, take off a little, gain muscle, lose muscle. That's a variable for diabetes. And in a moment, Jenny and I are going to talk about all of that. But for now, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your health care plan or becoming bold with insulin. My friend Jenny Smith has had type 1 diabetes for over 30 years. She holds a bachelor's degree in human nutrition and biology from the University of Wisconsin. She's a registered and licensed dietitian, a certified diabetes educator, and a certified trainer on most makes and models of insulin pumps and continuous glucose monitors. And if that's not enough, she's one of the kindest people I've ever met. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by TrialNet. Are you wondering what TrialNet is? I will tell you. TrialNet is a risk screening for type 1 diabetes. It is available at no cost to the relatives of people who have type 1 diabetes. Here's who's eligible. Are you between the ages of 2 and a half and 45 and have a parent, brother, sister, or child with type 1? You are eligible. Are you between the ages of two and a half and 20 and have an aunt, uncle, cousin, grandfather, niece, nephew, half-brother, half-sister with type 1? Then you're eligible. Have you tested positive for autoantibodies outside of TrialNet? Well, then you're eligible. TrialNet.org forward slash juicebox. Now, once you get the, uh, you go to the website there, right? You do a little typing, you do everything. You have options about how to get screened. You can do an in-home test kit. This free kit provides everything you need to collect a finger stick blood sample from the safety of your home, and then you can just ship it back in a free FedEx envelope. Contactless pickup. Ooh. You can use contactless pickup with FedEx. Contactless. It means no talking to anybody. Okay, sorry. So in-home test kit. I've got I got a little away from myself. I was like, fancy. I could just leave it outside and they'll come get it. Uh, in-home test kit. You could also use a lab test kit which would mean you would take the free screening kit that TrialNet sends you to a Quest Diagnostics or LabCorp lab, and they'll handle the blood draw and take care of everything. Or if there's a TrialNet location near you, you could just go there. And no matter which of those processes you choose, this is what happens next. You get your results. You will receive your screening results in four to six weeks. If your results show that you are in early stages of type 1 diabetes, TrialNet will schedule a follow-up visit to see if you're eligible for a prevention study. And remember what all this costs you. Nothing. It's free. It's really free. Swear to whatever you swear to. Put up your hand. Hold your hand on something else. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and the whole truth. Trialnet's free. Trialnet.org forward slash juicebox. Here's the thing. If you want them to know that you came from me, there's a checkbox while you're going through the process. You have to tell them, I heard about this through the Juicebox podcast. It's, I think it's just a drop-down box. You choose Juicebox podcast. Then you have to follow through and send in your test. 
So don't just get the kit from them and sit on it and think, oh, I helped the podcast. You, you didn't. They need to get your test back before I get credit for you as a participant. Trialnet.org forward slash juicebox. My family used Trialnet many years ago for my son, and we have always been grateful for the information that it sent back to us. If you're not sure if you want to do it or not, I understand, but I would check it out. Trialnet.org forward slash juicebox. All right, I appreciate you listening to all that. I'm really trying to help Trialnet get the word out about what they do, and of course that they're free. So um, I appreciate you listening. And now I'll get to the episode with Jenny and I. No ads, rest of the way. I'm going to start with weight change. As everyone knows by now, you know, listeners of the podcast send in like 150 different variables that they find uh, that impact right. their blood sugars. Weight change was one that was brought up by a number of different people. And um, I think it's something that gets lost that people don't don't see. I see it mostly when people are talking about children because their kids gain weight and they don't notice it. But doesn't everybody gain weight and not notice it really? You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, colloquially, like we don't, most of us don't know when we put on five pounds at first. True. Unless you're really the person who is very much on top of like, I weigh myself every single Friday morning when I get out of bed with, you know, no clothes on kind of thing, right? Like I have to have this weekly, this weekly weight sort of check-in. So yeah, I would say even five pounds is kind of hard to feel a difference on your body. Um, I think the biggest shift in terms of noticing is like how your clothes are fitting. And that also then means that it's kind of where did the weight go? Did it go more around your waist? Your pants are harder to button now. Did it kind of get distributed evenly through the course of your whole, like all the fat cells in your body? And maybe you're really not visually seeing the five pound weight gain. Mm -hmm. Um, But weight changes affect diabetes. Yeah. As a general statement, yes. So where do you think it affects first? Basal? Is that? From a, if we're talking true weight change in terms of fat weight gain, right? Right. Not muscle, not muscle weight gain, but fat weight gain. Then metabolically, you would think you would see the change in basal first. Okay. Um, Now, if you're somebody that hasn't really had much precision around like mealtime dosing or whatnot, you might also start to see more excursions around mealtime than you did before. But also that could be that there's not enough basil behind it too. And so your boluses just aren't covering as well as they were before too. So basil first. I was just delighted that you used the word excursions for. Oh. (laughs) I don't know why. I just... (laughs) I was like, she, she means when things get upside down at mealtime and you're like, why, why is my blood sugar 240 all of a sudden? Yes. <laughs> but uh, but I, I love the use of that word. It really took me by surprise. Are you saying that um, if I like yoked up and put 20 pounds of muscle on, it, the impact would be different or not? Different. How? Because remember, the more muscle that you have on your body, typically speaking, the more muscle you have. Muscle needs to be maintained by the body. Mm -hmm. And as such, muscle gain means a higher metabolic turnaround. It means that you use energy more efficiently than somebody who weighs the same amount, but is more fat weight than muscle weight. So typically we would expect that the more muscle gain you have, 
you would have more sensitivity to insulin. To maintain that weight, you also probably have a pretty regimented exercise plan, both some cardio, some resistance, some, you know, weightlifting, whatever's in the mix. So all around heavier weight increase in the body, whether it's toning and definition and muscle build or like bodybuilding muscle gain, right? You would expect that your insulin needs may metabolic basal wise go down because you're burning things and using insulin better. Okay. So just being healthier in general can require less insulin because of what it infers, not only Mm -hmm. the the way your muscles work in your body, but that you're probably eating differently or working out differently than even another person at your same weight who's more sedentary. Correct. Got it. Okay. Um, And I think along with that, you can kind of, you can actually see a pretty quick turnaround in difference. Let's say that you're a person who exercises pretty much every day, like at least 30 to 45 minutes of some type of movement that is designated in a time period, right? And let's say you have a week where you are not sick, but just things have gotten so busy that you literally just can't even get out the door and go do what your normal thing is. Mid to end of that week, you may definitely notice the difference in no exercise compared to the sensitivity you were seeing when you were regularly day after day or every other day moving your body. And that'll, you'll notice that by your blood sugars rising in general. Right. And less response to insulin in the way that you had been experiencing comparative to in a more sedentary okay. setting. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so more, I guess let's look at kids for a second. Is the, It's a similar idea with kids gain weight, then as they're growing, parents kind of don't notice, and then they suddenly nothing's working. So there's nothing really different here, right? If you're a child gaining weight or a, or an adult, I mean, is it that dissimilar? Well, I guess not so much, but in a kid, remember if it's healthy weight gain because of normal growth pattern, it's what would be expected in terms of where they are in age or in life. Their gain is for a, for a real reason they're growing. So they may be growing, right? Gaining weight. And then they may grow in height as well. Kids usually grow out, grow up, grow out, grow up. Mm -hmm. And so with growth, usually you'll see those typical things, which we've talked about in terms of like increase in insulin during those growth periods and whatnot. But then usually with growth that has been a weight gain, the increase in insulin need will be sustained. Because they've gained some weight. I mean, kids usually don't go from one week weighing 42 pounds to the next week weighing 52 pounds. I mean, that's, that's excessive gain, right? Right, There's something wrong there. (laughs) What about, um, let's, let's say we have an adult who's generally speaking, is that a weight that they, they wish wasn't so, and they're, they go about losing weight, but they do it. Let's just, for an example, let's say they do it in a, an unhealthy way. It's not mm-hmm. about, it's not about exercise. They just stop eating or something crazy like okay. that. And they're and they're losing weight. Will they mm-hmm. see it? Will they see a decrease in their insulin needs? Because you're not adding exercise, you're not adding good food. You're just just the dwindling of body mass. Absolutely, they'll see a difference. I mean, their mass, their body mass has gone down. They will metabolically require less insulin unless 
the weight loss is such a stress on the body, enough of a stress, kind of like an illness-based stress that the body is really like bothered by this loss and struggling through it, especially in, I mean, you brought up like just stopping eating or Mm -hmm. dwindling the amount that comes in to a considerable amount. Again, that could be a significant enough stress that while insulin needs will go down because of the weight-based shift, they, the stress on the body may make it look less significant. Again, these are like assumptions around a scenario, right? No, I just wanted to paint a picture because I, I, because I'm a little afraid that this episode really should be, Hey, when your weight shifts, your insulin needs are going to shift. Could shift. Yeah. Yes. And then the music plays at the end and we say goodbye. Like, so yeah, I just wanted to, I mean, that's in a nutshell. Absolutely. That's a, Yes. (laughs) I, I just wanted to give some contextual ways that people might see it in their real life um, mm-hmm. so that it's not just so simple as, hey, if your weight shifts, because I think it's possible people don't notice that as much. Even right. it's stunning when you don't notice it on your own kid or yourself. I mean, and, and especially on yourself, if you're a person living with type one, I mean, or if you're, right. living, you know, you don't notice people you live with. People you live with are the last people to ever notice that you've gained. Because they see you every day. Yeah, there's no way Mm -hmm. for them to tell whatsoever. I will, like, walk downstairs sometimes, and I'll be like, yo, anybody want to notice? Like, but. I I look better, don't I? (laughs) If you notice how, like, flatter my chin is or, like, anything, and, like, (laughs) no. So then you think, well, what's the point? (laughs) They just seem to the same way. The point should be for your own self-benefit. It should have nothing to do with others, right? Um, But I think, you know, as a variable, which is what this really is, right? Weight change as a variable. I think you bring up a good point in terms of, excuse me, if you've looked at so many other things as why are my insulin needs so much higher? Why does it look like I'm so much more sensitive? Mm -hmm. Maybe is it, have you stepped on the scale lately? Right. Yeah. Maybe you just don't know what happened. What's happened. Right. Okay. All right. Great. Thank you. So, that's yeah. Cool. Let me thank Jenny. And I'd also like to thank TrialNet for sponsoring this episode of the Juicebox podcast. Go to trialnet.org forward slash juicebox to get started right now. Don't forget to tell them that the Juicebox podcast sent you. When they ask on the form online, they'll be like, where'd you hear about this? You say, Juicebox podcast. And then you get the kit and then send it back. And don't forget, TrialNet is 100% free for you. TrialNet.org forward slash Juicebox. Couple things and I'll let you out of here. Don't forget, if you're looking for a community, try the Juicebox podcast private Facebook group with over 17,000 members. It is a private and supportive community that you should check out. Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. I also want to remind you that the Diabetes Pro Tip episodes begin at episode 210 and are available at diabetesprotip.com and juiceboxpodcast.com. If you're a part of the Facebook group, I think there's actually Spotify playlists in the announcement section. But if you're not listening through Spotify, you can see an entire list that will help you understand the Pro Tip series at diabetesprotip.com. While you're there, you should check out the Defining Diabetes episodes as well. And if you're a U.S. resident, go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Fill out the brief survey that helps people living with type 1 diabetes. Super simple questions, completely HIPAA compliant, completely anonymous, takes you less than 10 minutes. You can do it right on your phone, right on your sofa. 
You're going to help people living with type 1. You're going to support the podcast. I'm trying to get to 2,000 completed surveys by the end of Diabetes Awareness Month. So one month from now. Go, go, go. If you all stopped and did it right now, just based on how many people I know are listening to this episode, not only would there be way more than 2,000, but you might you might hear a pop, like an audible out in the world. That would be the minds of the people at the T1D Exchange just blowing. They'd just be like, oh, I can't believe that happened. That'd be it. T1DExchange.org forward slash juicebox. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.